listening to Hope Signals with Mark and Susan Mason, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries. Hope Signals is a podcast where we offer practical principles and motivational insights aimed at helping people navigate their hopes and dreams. Welcome to part two of this series I'm doing called Roadblocks. And as suspected, uh, I got a little behind and uh, didn't do one for a couple of weeks. That's because we've been doing some prisons, and it's been awesome, by the way. I want to thank you guys that support Life on the Verge so much. We finally were able to do four concert-slash-ministry programs at two different, actually three different prisons um, this past week. It was absolutely exhausting, uh, but also awesome, well worth the effort. Um, this is kind of a warm-up tour, I guess, before we invite some other volunteers the next time out. We've got 10 more programs or concerts to go um, around the state of Florida, and then we'll be heading back to Virginia, and then we're contemplating a late summer-fall tour where maybe we'll get some help along the way with us to do some of the pushing and set up and tear down and that kind of thing, um, because that does get pretty challenging. Um, but thank God we have the energy to do it at our age. Um, so again, thank you guys so much for putting us out there. Uh, also, if you don't follow us on social media, uh, Life on the Verge and The Plunders, our music stuff, we, we were able to get a couple of decent lyric videos done. We're getting some airplay um, in different spots. We used a, a website called Music Submit and put some things out there, and a couple of stations have picked up our songs and have apparently made them part of uh, some upcoming shows. So that's pretty cool because the more people you know, right, um, the more opportunities you have for networking and making connections that help you achieve your goal. But let me say this, in the middle of uh, submitting our music to a bunch of different radio stations and stuff, we experienced some rejection. We got some uh, emails saying, thanks for your music, sounds great, but it doesn't fit our format, that kind of thing. Uh, I even got one dislike on my video of me playing the solo for one of the songs on our YouTube page. And we have a tendency to look at that, like that, never mind the people that appreciated it, what about that one that didn't like it? Which brings me to the roadblock I want to talk about today. Uh, th listen, this roadblock that I'm about to talk about can be responsible um, for uh, a halt to writing a book or recording songs or getting in shape physically. It can e this roadblock can ease, even cause you to almost give up on walking with the Lord or receiving His favor. A funny example about what I'm going to talk about comes from the show Big Bang Theory, which you may love it, you may hate it, but uh, I, I've, I've seen some funny things on that show. Sheldon Cooper, who's kind of like, I guess you'd say, the main star, um, when he's trying to articulate why he must have the same seat whenever he uh, sits in his living room, he says, 
The reason I need that seat, in the winter, that seat is close enough to the radiator to remain warm and yet not so close as to cause perspiration. In the summer, it's directly in the path of a cross breeze created by opening the windows there and there. And he points at the windows. It faces the television at an angle that is neither direct, thus discouraging conversation, nor so far wide as to create a parallax distortion. I could go on, but I think I've made my point. Sheldon Cooper is a perfectionist, and that is the roadblock I want to talk about today. Perfectionism. I am guilty of this one. As a matter of fact, um, this is probably my third attempt at different topics I was going to do the next roadblock on. I recorded like three different, this is actually my fourth one, three different other topics before I landed on this one because I was trying to get it perfect. You know, perfectionism is a roadblock. Uh, because it can cause us to lose our will to create. It can steal our momentum. It can keep us from starting because we want it to be perfect. If something isn't perfect, we quit or we're waiting until it can be perfect. Listen, perfectionism, when it comes to your faith, can be very dangerous. It I think it cost me personally years of potential um, of my own life. Uh, because I thought I, I, I had to, that somehow my behavior regulated how much God loved me, wanted to favor me, and, and that I wasn't behaving in a way, so and I wasn't going to get it right, I wasn't going to get it perfect, so why fake it, why try it? Man, walking in faith is believing that despite our imperfections, before God we are made perfect through the blood of Christ. And so, uh, but I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the spiritual side of it. That's another whole topic, and you maybe should listen to Roadblocks Part One to get some more insight on what I think about that. But um, John Acuff, I've talked about him a few times because he wrote a book that really impacted me. Uh, John J O N Acuff, A C U F F. I think his website is acuff.me. Uh, he wrote a book called Finish, and in that book he said, day one isn't the most important day of a goal. The day after perfect is. He goes on to say, perfectionism trots out a laundry list of reasons you shouldn't begin. You're too old, you're too young, you're too busy, you have too many goals and don't know which one to focus on, you don't have enough money to support it, Um, someone else has already done the exact same thing you want to do, someone smarter with better teeth. He's a comical guy, by the way. If you ignore this initial barrage and start something... Perfectionism changes its tune completely. Now it says that you have to do it perfectly. It's the only possibility that is acceptable. That's what perfectionism says. Now, I believe that we should strive for excellence. Excellence and perfection are two different things. Excellence comes from the word to excel, and for for me, I translate that as uh, to excel above my prior attempts at whatever my goal was, to or, or to offer something that may exceed expectations. But if we wait for perfect, we will choke on our aspirations and end up frustrated. Probably the the best definition I ever heard, I don't know if it's a def, yeah, definition of excellence uh, or just illustration, came from a volunteer uh, who's a dear friend of mine named Chris Huggins when we were planting a church. He said, you know, we want to be excellent in everything that we do. But excellence, it's like it's a road, and on one side there's a ditch called sloth, and on the other side there's a ditch called perfect. 
You know, that's that's great because we can get stranded in either one. We can be too lazy to do the things that we have the potential to do, or we can get stuck trying to make something perfect. Probably one of the best marketing slogans ever made was Nike's Just Do It. It's a brilliant slogan. Seth Godin, uh, the marketing guru, he would say, just ship it. You know, he uses the example of, you know, you look at Apple um, and you look at the various applications from both Android and Apple. They put those things out there. They, they ship it even though they know it's not going to be perfect. And the next thing you know, they've got to give you an update, give you another update. But they ship it. They get it out there. You know, to some degree, I think that perfectionism is rooted in fear and insecurity because we are wired to avoid pain, and there's not no pain quite like uh, rejection. So we don't want to put our art, we don't want to ship our gift, our product, our creativity. We refuse to start for fear of people not liking our art or our idea or whatever it is we're trying to achieve. Uh, we've got to do all we can where we are with what we have and leave the miracle business to God. It's about shipping it. It's about getting it out there the best that you can make it. Of course, we want it to be excellent. We want it to be better than last time, that the last thing that we did. But I choose to live in a way that believes my best work hasn't been created yet. Not just keep looking backwards. Oh, man, I'm never going to do it that good again. What? Come on. And if I'll do that, look, wait, you know, we're not all, uh, I remember there was a, a there was a, a, a meme. It's got a box of McDonald's French fries and it says, uh, we're not, we're not all called to be astronauts or something like that, you know, uh, insinuating that some people, hey, their high point is getting a job at McDonald's, um, well, we're not all created to have tremendous worldwide fame and success at, at anything. Matter of fact, most of us are probably more generalist, and you know we're going to have a smaller audience than life than than uh, the very few that rise to the top of the field in certain areas. But we can't let that discourage us from shipping our art and our creativity and getting our expression out there. And then if a miracle happens, praise God, you know. John Acuff talks about in that book, I think it's in that book, it could have been a blog post, but he talks about Dave Barnes. Dave Barnes um, wrote a song, he's a musician in Nashville, and he would get out and play around Nashville, and he recorded an EP, and then he recorded his, uh, a, a full-length album, and he got a little bit of airplay there, mostly demo-quality stuff, and uh, but no, no great success, just some local success in Nashville, playing the club scene kind of thing, I guess. Uh but there happened to be a day when Blake Shelton landed at the airport in Nashville. He couldn't get the car that he usually liked to rent, so he picked up a pickup truck, and it was on a radio station he never listened to, and one of Dave Barnes' songs happened to be playing, a song called uh, God Gave Me You. Blake chose to record that song, and it became... Uh, like a number, his fifth number one song on the country on country radio. It sold over a million copies and got Dave Barnes really on the map. And I think he won a Grammy Award for songwriting for that song. Well, you can't control miracles like that. What are the odds, right? What are the odds? Who knows? But if Dave had not shipped it, he didn't even create a platform for a miracle. So we've got to at least get our art out there. And perfectionism can be a roadblock. 
that keeps it. I mean, I think about the earlier stuff that Dave Barnes did. I'm sure it was less than perfect. Look, we just released two albums in the last couple of years, one called Still Moving Targets and the other called Speak Easy. We just released last month. I'm really proud of that work. It is the best work to date. Can it be better? Yep, I already got ideas for the next one. It's not perfect by any means. However, you know, I started recording in my bedroom with a four-track recorder. Actually, I can even go back further than that. I had two those tabletop basic recorders from way back in the 70s, and I would play one and then overdub the other, and I would record my songs and my ideas. Uh, and then I would actually share that with people from time to time. And then uh, I got a four-track recorder, and I, w- I got better at creating demos. And, and then uh, I actually set a studio up. And actually, when we first launched Life on the Verge, we did a CD called King of Hearts. It's got 10 songs on it. You will never hear it <laughs> because it is mediocre and look very mediocre. But you've got to chew on mediocrity for a little while. Just don't get used to the taste, I heard someone say. You've got to start. We did create that CD, King of Hearts, and we I, I forget. We got 100, 500 copies or something. And we handed those out as Bike Blessing um, CDs at Sturgis, and we got some positive feedback, even though the quality is horrible. Horrible. It was recorded in a, a church and uh, done really fast. I didn't I didn't know what I know now about how to get better recordings and that kind of thing. But it was a start, and we shipped it, and it created a tiny bit of momentum, and that led to I eventually uh, put together a pretty decent studio, invested in some equipment to record something in my house. Um, and I uh, worked really, really hard on it, on, on all of it, on the re- engineering, on the mixing, and all that stuff. Put my best foot forward on that stuff, and it still came out pretty mediocre. But I shipped it. We put it out there. It's called Allergic to Blue. It was all that we had. We put it up on Spotify. We used the songs for different things. Now, since we've recorded the last two albums, you won't be able to find Allergic to Blue anymore because uh, it really wasn't up to par, you know, radio quality and that kind of thing. And I've learned, well, okay, I had to learn that lesson. If I want to go a step further, we're really going to have to believe God for the funds to do this professionally in a professional studio with a, a producer person, just another set of ears and eyes and a mind, you know, to help us do it. My point is, you got to start somewhere and you have to ship your work, get your idea out there. In the in the age of social media, content is king. We want to create quality content. I mean, this isn't the best podcast ever. I don't know if I'll, you know, right now it's something I can do. I'm getting started. Let's see. You know, right now some people are getting blessed by it. I get some good feedback, so I'm going to keep on going, and hopefully I'll be able to create even better quality content. But I can't wait for perfect content to post. So let me give you just, uh, uh, I think it's four tips here. Four tips for overcoming this roadblock of perfectionism. Number one, stop taking yourself so seriously. You should be able to look back and see yourself as a goofy fool sometimes. Some of the things you attempted, some of the things you tried. But if you hadn't tried them, listen, the, the willingness to look foolish is a key ingredient in the recipe for success. There's the story of Wilt Chamberlain, uh, who had a 40% free throw um, rate. Not very good. Great player, breaking all kind of records, but his free throw game sucked. So he decided one season to try something different. He started to shoot the ball granny style. You know what I'm talking about? Bend your knees a little bit and throw it underhand. 
He went from 40% to 60% and then had a record-breaking game uh, against the Philadelphia Warriors and the, and the Knicks where his percentage went to 87.5%. From 40% to 87.5%. He made 28 out of 32 free throws, but boy, did he look stupid. And you know what? He came back the next season, and he went back to shooting traditional free throw style, and his percentage went right back down. <laughs> He didn't want to look foolish, and he let that get in his way. Number two, embrace the pain of rejection or forfeit the opportunity for success. Let me say that again. Embrace the pain of rejection or forfeit the opportunity for success. There's tons of examples throughout history. Probably one of them is Abraham Lincoln. I'm not going to read all of these, but, man, he failed at everything. He failed at business. Um, he, you know, he failed at – he ran for the legislature and lost, and, and then he lost his job, and then we had another business go bust. He sought to become speaker of the state legislature, and he was defeated. He sought to become an elector. He was defeated. He ran for Congress. He was defeated. He ran for Congress again. He won – Went to Washington, did a good job, ran for re-election, and lost, and on and on and on. And then finally, in 1858, he ran for the U.S. Senate, and he lost. But then in 1860, he was elected president of the United States. You know, we can't, we can't let the fear of rejection rule our lives. We've got to get our art out there the best that we can make it. I mean, and, and the goal being, again, excellence, to excel above prior attempts, but it's not going to be perfect. And there are not, not everybody's going to love what you do, which brings me to point three. Care about people, but don't care too much about their opinion of your work. You know, I, I got one dislike on that solo video of me in the studio, and it's like you want to zero in on that, and pastors know what I'm talking about. You preach a sermon, and man, so many, you get 10 emails on Monday morning or 20 emails. That pastor, that sermon blessed me so much. And then you get one that criticizes, and you, you just can't shake that. We've got to shake that. We've got to care about people, but don't care too much about their opinion. I mean, we can care a little. There's always a grain of, you know, uh, truth and criticism, but we got to be so careful about uh, people's opinion of your work. I mean, it, this goes hand in hand with willing to look foolish. When you think about, what do you think the first person that said, you know what, I think I'm going to take rocks and I'm going to paint them and I'm going to start this business called Pet Rocks. Anybody remember those? I'm sure they got laughed about. I'm sure they got criticized. Yet, they shipped their work and Pet Rocks became a phenomenon, I think, in the 70s. And the same is true. Did you know that uh, the guy that came up with the idea for the drive-through window and restaurants got laughed at. We we couldn't we couldn't see ourselves living without drive-through uh, restaurants today. I mean, lots of inventions. The television, the internet, got mocked. Um, you know, people's opinion. No one will ever use this. This is pointless endeavor. You can. There's tons of those online, by the way. I mean, you think about the Wright brothers and flight and all those kinds of things. They were willing to look foolish, and they, I'm sure they they paid attention to criticism a little bit, but they didn't care too much about the opinion of others when it came to their work. Now think about artists like Lady Gaga. Okay, you may hate her. She's laughing her way all the way to the bank. Or Kanye West. Sure, he's a little crazy, but again, he's become a worldwide phenomenon. 
If he cared too much about the opinion of everybody else, he would never ship his art and get it out there. He would never have launched the businesses that he's launched. You know, when you get criticized, I think you have to, especially in today's culture, you really do have to consider the source. It's unfortunate that even uh, people that would consider themselves anti-woke crowd, they will post stuff that just empowers and, and makes a big deal about something the woke crowd said or did in response to something, only giving fuel to the fire. And I'm like, why would you even put that out there? Some of the dumb things, you know, it's like... Uh, you got to consider the source when it comes to uh, some of the, quote, woke crowd. Um, I'm not trying to get political here. I'm just making a point. There's a guy out there named Jordan Peterson. Love him or hate him. They try to call him a conservative, but if you read him and you listen to him, you would never gather that he's completely conservative nor nor liberal. Uh, he is a clinical psychologist, I think, and a professor at the University of Toronto. He wrote a couple of books, and he's, he's just become a phenomenon uh, because he is so smart. Listen, go look up one of his interviews where someone's trying to catch him in a trap and trip him up. Go look, look, listen to his podcast. He will blow your mind. I mean, half of what he says goes over my head, but I catch some of it. And he got into this whole thing about how he was um, meeting with a client or, or a patient, and, uh, and, and she was depressed, and she couldn't hold down a job. She could barely get herself out of the house. Um, she just had all kind of issues going on. She didn't want to have conversations with people. She wanted to avoid people. And then something came up about climate change, and she just went off the chain, you know, uh, being a champion for climate change and just, just got angry and got vocally, you know, just just letting Jordan, Jordan Peterson have it, but he didn't take it serious and just, just hammering him to the wall, making a big deal about it. And uh, Jordan Peterson, this is in his latest book, uh, said, you know, I thought to myself, you know, you probably should care more about your immediate world, like getting a job, being able to support yourself, provide yourself with clothing and a house and transportation before you start giving too much passion and attention to the global problems we face today. And so a lot of those people that are riding, that are, you know, and I detest the politicians that just ride that train. I really do. Because many of those people that are right, they have nothing going for them. Their voices don't deserve really um, I shouldn't say they don't deserve to be heard. Everybody deserves to be heard, but we do got to give some weight to it. Okay, here's a person who has just a, a chaotic, messed up personal life, and I'm supposed to give them the same validity, you know, the same weight. So when it comes to people giving opinions of your work, you've got to consider the source. And I'm not just labeling the woke crowd as somebody that, you know, I'm sure that we, we need to listen to each other. Okay, there's got to be communication. So we can't write off people that disagree with us. Man, I'm getting on a rabbit trail here. But my point is, is that when somebody criticizes your work, somebody criticizes your art, your business idea, whatever that is, uh, the book that you wrote or something like that, you've got to consider the source. And not give too much weight, you know. Um, that brings me to the last point, which now here's where where it is important to listen to the opinion. Focus on your tribe, your supporters, your fans, your followers, people that are for you. Now, if somebody cares about you, they love you. You're obviously they know you. You're going to give more weight to their opinion. 
And there are I, we still don't like it, right? When somebody says, "You know what? It sounds great, but you you probably ought to think about." And they put it in a polite way, but they're criticizing. We don't like that. Nobody likes to be criticized. But if it's somebody I trust, man, I I appreciate that. I'm like, coming from you, you know, I de- I will take that to heart. Coming from somewhere off in the Netherlands of of uh, of. Uh, you know, the, the cyber world, somebody makes a comment. I love the way that my son handles people that criticize him once in a while. He just comes back and makes himself look more ridiculous and turns it into a funny moment. So back to this idea of focus on your tribe. Your first subscribers, the people who love you and believe in you no matter what you're shipping or creating, they're going to believe in your work because they believe in you. So start there. They're going to appreciate what you did because they know you and they, they know your heart. They know a lot of the backstory. You know, Life on the Verge in the beginning, um, you know, it was, it was 23 people that we sent a letter out to to help us get launched. And, and then that crowd slowly grows. And now it's to the point where people that I will never know, they only see what we do. They only see our art or they only see our ministry and they want to be part of that. But you've got to start with that tribe. I had a pastor friend tell me exactly this when we started Life on the Verge. He said, at first, people will support you because they know you and they believe in you. And eventually, people will support you, help you do what you're doing because they believe in what you're doing. Okay? So, here's a bonus tip. The last one. Create things that mean something to you and those you love. With today's digital technology, we're basically leaving a legacy online. We're leaving a record of our time on earth, our values, our art, our ideas. You know, when I think about um, Eric Clapton, for example, Eric Clapton is the only inductee, uh, three-time inductee into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, once as a solo artist, then with the Yardbirds, then with Cream. Well, you know, those that know his son Connor, uh, the story of his son Connor, who was four years old and stumbled out of a skyscraper in New York City and fell to his death, um, it was that tragic circumstance that caused him to write the song Tears in Heaven. Uh, he said he had no intent of ever even putting that song out, but it landed on one of his albums, and it became a number four best-selling song of all time. It came from his own story, his own pain, what he was going through. Um, you know, this, his number one hit is Wonderful Tonight, which also comes out of, despite all the great music Eric Clapton has created, think about it. You know, here are these songs that came out of one out of a personal relationship, Wonderful Tonight, and one out of a tragedy. So create from those things an expression of your own story, your own emotion for you and, and maybe for those that you love. When I, when I write, for example, when I write a book, and even as I'm doing this, I probably should have got myself in a better mindset thinking this way, but um, I'm like, my grandkids may one day listen to this podcast. So I think about them. I think about my children. I think about my children's children. You know what I'm saying? So let me just recap real quick and end this thing. Overcome the roadblock of perfectionism by not taking yourself too seriously. Beware that we can get prideful, and that can block us because we take ourselves so seriously. Just have fun, man. Get get that little kid back that, that, that didn't care. You know, they, they, they made a mud pie and they wanted to show it off, right? 
And the people that loved them and cared about them said, oh, what a fantastic little mud pie. And that encouraged them to continue creating. And who knows, that little kid that made a mud pie could grow up to be a great sculptor. <laughs> so, uh, number two, embrace the pain of rejection or forfeit the opportunity for success. Man, I preach to myself there because that gets in my way all the time. I don't like rejection. You don't like rejection. If you like rejection, you got problems. <laughs> Number three, care about people, but don't care too much about their opinion of your work. I should even clarify that and say consider the source when it comes to people's opinion of your work. Number four, focus on your tribe or your supporters, your circle of friends, your fans, uh, people that are for you. Focus on them first. And then last, create things that mean something to you and those you love and make it as excellent as you can. But by all means, create and ship it and get it out there. All right. Hope that helps if you've been stranded by this uh, roadblock called perfectionism. I think all of us, to some degree, can struggle with it. And probably the number one deal, well, I mean, we should be hard on ourselves and try to do the best work that we can do. Um, but I, I found, what's the guy? Gary Moore, okay, fantastic guitar player, played with Thin Lizzy, uh, then had his own deal as a solo artist and is considered one of the greatest blues guitarists of all time, blues rock guitarists of all time. He was never satisfied. And I think that we can have that attitude. It can always be better. There's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to ship. You've got to get your stuff out to market. You've got to fail a few times. You've got to take a few blows to build on that and get better and better and better. If you, if someone has said, listen, if you never ask the question, the answer is always no. So if you don't get it out there, then, then you don't even know. You don't even know how God might want to use it, how it might affect people. So get it out there. Get your mediocre work out there. If it's the best that you can do at the moment, don't get stranded by perfectionism. Hope that helps, and I hope we'll be back uh, with you next week. we got a few days off before we move the RV and head over to, I guess it's near the Tampa area. we got 10 more concert ministry programs. We would appreciate your prayers. And if you can give to our ministry, everybody knows gas prices have gone up, um, and so that would help us tremendously. Bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. You can learn more about us at lifeontheverge.com. We're a completely donor-funded ministry that carries the good news to prisons around the United States. You can help us by sharing this podcast, by partnering with us with a tax-deductible gift at lifeontheverge.com, or by even talking to your leader or pastor about having us come and minister at your church or your business.